Usually when somebody transitions to a revenue organization, they neglect brand and thought leadership. So here's my recommendation. You need to look at program spend and headcount spend, and you need to separate them out 70%, 30%. of that budget should drive 100% of whatever revenue metrics you're trying to drive. And you have 30% that can then be used to invest in things like an event that you might not know what's going to happen. This is the Anonymous Marketer, a podcast where we tackle the biggest questions from the B2B marketing community. But instead of bringing on guests for a quick chat, every question comes from an anonymous source. These are the questions B2B marketers have but are afraid to ask. Let's start the conversation. Hey, I'm Nick Bennett, and I'm excited to get into this episode and dive into some of the new anonymous questions that we received. But before we get into it, I wanted to do my part and highlight our supporters. In fact, the average employee sends around 10,000 emails per year. That means a company with 100 employees sends over 1 million emails annually. That's 1 million missed opportunities to showcase your brand, grow your funnel, and close more deals. OpenSense turns every employee email into a beautifully branded targeted ad channel that returns 4 to 7% CTR on average. Now, the best part, it's one simple platform to manage email signatures, promote upcoming events, distribute content, and more on Outlook and Gmail. No manual work, no tedious targeting, just better campaigns all at scale. Sign up for a demo at opensense.com and get 10% off today. If you're a marketer, it's likely you have attribution data spread across spreadsheets, your CRM, your marketing automation platform, and other places. With data all over the place, it's hard to understand what drives the highest quality leads. And that's why I want to tell you about HockeyStack. After adding one single line of code to your website, HockeyStack gives your company the ability to turn your marketing, sales, revenue, and product data into a unified picture. HockeyStack provides the analytics and attribution data your B2B company actually deserves. Get a free trial, and in five minutes, you can start using the product. Sign up today at HockeyStack.com. Hey, I'm Nick Bennett. I'm excited to get into this episode and go through some new anonymous questions. But before we get into it, I wanted to do my part and highlight our supporters. As marketers, we want to create content that enables our sales team to win deals. But 70% of the content that we create for sales never gets used. It's a waste of time and energy. But it doesn't have to be this way. And that's why you should know about Alego. Alego is an all-in-one sales enablement platform designed to help revenue teams reach their full potential. Alego makes it easy for sellers to share content in the field with the right context. And it helps drive sales and marketing alignment. It increases collaboration. It optimizes messaging. And more importantly, it gets you more closed one deals. To learn more, visit alego.com. What's up, everyone? Welcome to The Anonymous Marketer. I am your host, Nick Bennett, and today we're going to explore a question about how to move to a revenue org that aligns under Pipeline as a marketing team. And I have no one better than someone who knows this topic very well, Kyle Macy, CMO at Jellyfish. Kyle, thank you so much for joining me. Hey, it's my pleasure. Thank you. Amazing. All right. So a little bit of background for everyone listening. To get us started, let me talk about how we got this question. So the question came from our website, 
If you want to submit an anonymous question, head over to motionagency.io slash anonymous. You'll see a form where you can submit literally anything. Nothing's off the table. And I brought Kyle on because I feel like he, you know, he has a very interesting perspective. I've followed Kyle for a while. He was on my last show. Like he knows marketing inside and out. So let's jump into today's question and a couple things to kind of level set with everyone that's listening. So this person works at a help desk and collaborative email company. Kind of interesting because I haven't had any questions around that. And the person works on a marketing team of 15 people. So a decent sized marketing team. And the question is, how do you make the transition to a revenue organization aligned under pipeline? The organizations that have done it make it sound so easy, but there are so many factors <laughs> at play from sales rep compensation structure to tofu marketing goal setting, reporting, and everything in between. Curious how you approach it tactically, realistic timeline. It's a great so, question. Yeah, great so great. Question. Yeah. So let's break it down into two parts. So the first part is transition. Second part is compensation. So let's start with transition. So Kyle, can you discuss your experience with making the transition to a revenue organization that aligned under pipeline? And what were kind of some of the key challenges you faced? Yeah, I think that ultimately it's about measurement and how are you doing it appropriately? And it really depends on the size of business that you're in and whether or not your business has invested in operations. So rev ops, sales ops, marketing ops, however you want to define that. And it also matters that you have the tech stack that can support it as well. So for me in past lives, especially lessonly, the first step is just to understand how are you measuring your current input, marketing input. So that could mean your demo forums, if you're product led, it's a little bit different type of discussion depending on where your growth team lives. But a lessonly it was first off, how do we understand what's driving opportunity creation? Okay. Not you need to understand what a marketing qualified lead is. So define that in a way that fits with the revenue model, not marketing thinks this is qualified. Let's hand it over to sales to, to see if they can turn it into whatever the hell acronym they're using. Right? So it's marketing qualified lead is this because it drives to an opportunity creation. And then it's about measuring the funnel and. You know, you, there's tons of ways to do that. I, I just push people to make sure that if you have a Salesforce, HubSpot, CRM, whatever, that you're managing that on the back end as much as possible, which is why I tell people, if you like hire somebody that's analytical, that at least has the background in marketing ops, rev ops, sales ops, and it's not Salesforce admin, it's kind of a combination between, do you understand the marketing automation platform, Pardot, Marketo, whatever. Do you have a software like Visible? Yeah, lessonly we had, we eventually had Marketo, Visible, Salesforce. And then there was a bunch of other stuff that lived outside of that, but that's how we were doing measurement. So once you set up the marketing side, then it's about feeding the sales team in a way that you can measure for, here's the pipe we created by the opportunities and here's all the way through the funnel, close one revenue. And then what I found was, if marketing can then contribute a certain percentage to account executives quota attainments, marketing will get a seat at the table. When marketing gets a seat at the table with the sales leader, then it's much easier to turn into more of a pipeline of revenue or because, and then you have goals around what contribution do you want to make, right? Like is inbound contributing 30% to attainment? You know, I want it to be 45%. We could probably get even more tactical than that, but that's, you start with defining your metrics 
with how it relates to closing revenue. And I, I just think that that's disconnected a lot of times. You bring up a good point too, because so often like, it, it was funny because, you know, just right before we were recording, I was saying I was at B2B MX. And, and so I did a presentation on like vanity metrics, you know, don't really matter in sales this world today. And like, how do you focus on outcome-based marketing and align marketing and sales? And so many times, like I get it, you know, MQLs. And the way that we look at it is we don't use an MQL model, but we look at it from like intent. So we take, you know, high, medium and low intent. For us, the high intent is those hand raisers. How do we take those hand raises and convert them into SQLs from there? Yeah. And no, our goal is to take those low intent and just get them to transition up. Now, the thing is when you, and I'm curious on your thoughts here, like you have to get the sales team involved. And sometimes, you know, the sales team is so focused on what they want to do and marketing is doing their thing and they become silos. And I'm curious, like, how did you approach that process of kind of realigning both marketing and sales together. So again, you eliminate those silos as best as you can under that like revenue-driven framework. Yeah, it, look, it's about understanding what drives the sales managers and leaders. It's quota attainment and headcount capacity, especially in like a sales-led model. Most marketers do not spend the time to understand headcount capacity and quota attainment, right? If you can understand that, you can have a conversation with the sales manager that says, hey, I understand that you have five reps and they need to hit X amount of quota attainment. Let's look at historic data on what marketing is driven because most, you gotta get past like, I handed you a bunch of MQLs, what did you do with them? Cause they don't care. They care about quota attainment, right? That's how they get paid. That's how the business gets paid, right? So it's an understanding of that. And then it's saying, here's the influence that marketing has. And I wanna be very clear. I'm not talking about influence pipeline and influence revenue. I'm talking about, actual sourced revenue. You can do first touch, last touch models. I do not care. If marketing is contributing to the quota attainment, that is the, the direction in terms of driving alignment. And I think it's our friend Udi from Gong who said, you know, marketing's job is to make sales easier. You want alignment, you make the sale easier, whether that's mid funnel, bottom funnel, top of funnel. And then the other side of that is making sure that you are using the same metrics, right? Like the marketing funnel that we're looking at is the same thing that the sales team is looking at. And we are driving, marketing is influencing top all the way down to the sale and post-sale. It's shared metrics, honestly. Like if you have an understanding of where you wanna go as a sales and marketing team, and the other thing to keep in mind is that the CFO, your finance leader, is looking at sales marketing as one expenditure. It's very, very important to note as you're thinking about resourcing. So as you're having conversations as a revenue team, who usually has more influence on the finance world, sales or marketing? Usually sales, right? For good reason, because they're closing the deals, but you got to have a seat at the table or there's not going to be alignment. You bring up a really good point because, you know, you focused again, like I agree in being a traditional field marker, like I was always very well aligned with sales. But I still saw silos and I, I mean, a lot sure. of organizations I've talked to, again, I, I get it. Like, I mean, you could have a dual funnel if you want, but ultimately it's like, you know, understanding what sales reps are comped on. But I am curious. Or, on, me, like, or meeting them. Just go talk to them. Yeah. You know, this person, whoever submitted the question, you might be mid-level manager. You might be the leader of the team. Have a conversation with it, one account executive a week. Talk to the sales manager. You know, the other thing to do is move BDRs under marketing. That kind of forces alignment, but that's a whole nother. I think that might be a whole nother question, but I think that it's the same concept as why you need to talk to customers. 
It's because you get, if you do not have those conversations, you're going to become siloed because you're not thinking about it. You, you don't have any headspace for it. 100%. Let's talk reporting because I feel like that's a great piece to like align. So like from your experience, like when you're implementing kind of revenue driven reporting and goal setting framework, one, like what does that look like? But like what results can you expect from that if you have that strong alignment? So the, the number one thing is get every metric you think you want to measure and then cut it in half, simplify it significantly. I've come across too many marketing teams where they have like 30 things they're looking at, which is not actionable. Okay, so simplify your, your funnel. You know, for me, it's traffic to marketing qualified lead and marketing qualified lead is scored to a point where it's not just a vanity metric, right? And you can use scoring, you can use anything to really score, but marketing qualified lead opportunity and then tracking conversion rate through the funnel. So you have visibility on what's happening to that pipeline. And sometimes you got to talk to sales to say, we need to set up funnel stages because sometimes you don't even have that, right? And funnel stages within Salesforce. Track that all the way to close one and close loss revenue. So as a CMO, when I come to my demand gen leader and I say, what was closed loss and what was closed one and why they have that answer. And if you are tracking conversion rate through the funnel, it's the same thing that the sales leader is doing. And then efficiency and then align. Make sure you understand what finance is looking at and what the board's looking at. You, you got to pick a metric. You got to pick an efficiency metric. Whether that at Lessonly, we had one efficiency metric that spread across sales and marketing, just one that we have reported up to the board. And as long as we were within that range of efficiency, which was really good, then really, as long as we aligned to that efficiency metric and we hit our revenue numbers, we didn't care what was going on underneath that. You know, you can go do a board game or a, or a golden llama or whatever the hell else we did in terms of experience, like write a book. Because we were hitting revenue numbers and we were driving it efficiently. But sometimes there's not a line. It's sales, sales, finance, and marketing alignment. And then depending on where you're at in the stage, CS is there for cross-sell, upsell, because net dollar retention becomes more important. So a lot of times marketing just sets a funnel and drives a bunch of top of the funnel. And maybe even they get involved in middle, but you're not thinking strategic about what it means to drive revenue because finance is also involved in that conversation or should be. You bring up a good point. Well, it's funny because like this whole week at like B2B MX, like so many people were talking about like efficiency, like how do you drive efficiency? I mean, Mutiny and Audience Plus, they came together and they had an event around efficiency. And it's so interesting that you said that, but like when you, when you focus on efficiency and you have all this data management analysis, all these things, yep. like, is there obstacles or challenges that you might come across moving to this as you transition to a revenue-driven organization? And like, how do you overcome those? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So usually when somebody transitions to a revenue organization, they neglect brand and thought leadership. So here's my recommendation. You need to look at program spend and headcount spend, and you need to separate them out 70%, 30%. 70% of that program and headcount spend, and you can you know, if you have a designer, I would cut 50-50 split with their headcount costs, right? As an example, 70% of that budget should drive 100% of whatever revenue metrics you're trying to drive. And you have 30% that can then be used to invest in things like an event that you might not know what's going to happen, podcasts, 
content, stuff that you want to you want to try to focus more on the experience than whether or not it's going to drive like massive amounts of ROI. Now, there are people out there that's going to hate that I said that because, you know, you should measure all of it 100%, whatever. I found it easier to separate it. And it, it usually you find that it just gets more efficient because of that. So start there and then try to align with, with the finance team, because the challenge is going to be that you over index on revenue and don't think about category. Yeah, I agreed. I remember you telling me this before and like, I was always a big believer in it as well. And like, how do you deal with executive teams and like, even like CEOs of companies that like, don't believe that you should invest in that like 30%. Hit your revenue number. Yeah. Look, we can wax poetic about how to convince CDOs whether to do brand plays. When you're getting beat up about your spend, it's probably because you're not hitting the goal. So we can argue that CEOs should know the brand's important, but guess what? The only thing that's keeping this thing functioning is the revenue. But, but to be clear, you're not going to win unless you do both. You can try to convince a CEO, go, go get involved in the revenue side while building out your brand plan and kind of slow roll the, well, slow, you, you and I both know that slow roll in high growth software is like a thousand times faster than most people. But uh, <laughs> I would say that you, you got to hit the revenue number. And that's part of what this question's about, because you can't do any of the fun stuff if you're not hitting revenue. hundred percent. All right. So I got one more question around this piece before we move to the compensation side, which is another sure. whole kind of piece of it. So like, I mean, people make it seem so easy and LinkedIn is a fluffy place and they're like, oh, we're driving revenue. We did this super quick. But like, realistically, what is the timeline for fully integrating and optimizing your marketing and sales teams under a revenue driven framework? And then the second piece is like, what kind of results are you expecting to see in both like short and long term? Yeah, I mean, it's it's highly dependent on a lot of things. It's highly dependent on the sales cycle the go-to-market motion. It's highly dependent on uh, whether you're selling into enterprise or it's, it's high velocity. Like at Lessonly, we had a 30, 60 day sales cycle. So half the deals were closing in quarter. So you can get pretty, pretty, pretty tactical in terms of your forecasts, right? But at seismic enterprise, mid, upper mid-market enterprise motion, which is very, very different. So I'd say if you are in a high velocity motion where you have an average sales cycle of 30 to 60 days, you better be, you better at least six, six months tops because you've got enough data within that quarter, within a month, frankly, to say, here's what I think, here's how I think we should build out our simplified metrics to, to try to track this stuff. Enterprise, it's 12 months plus. Like that's a harder thing to do just because there's so many touch points, but we, we also don't have time to go deep into what attribution modeling and all that crap, but I'd say it takes longer with the longer sales cycles because yep. yep. you just 100%. don't have enough data. Yeah. Unless you do historic data, right? Uh, yeah, that's, that's true too. Because I mean, I feel like for us, like we have a, I mean, probably a very similar sales cycle to Lesson Lee, for example. And I mean, we have a lot of like pacing that we're looking at week over week. Like what is that impact? I mean, marketing is driving a majority of both like source pipeline as well as like closing that revenue now again that's another thing martech versus it versus cybersecurity, all these places like that could drastically change as well based on like who you're even selling to yeah and that's when you walk into a role or, or the person that asked this question might be in has been in this role for a while 
you need to understand the quality of the data, the historic data. Because if you have some decent quality on how it's been tracked over the past year, the time frame can shrink pretty dramatically because you can take all that historic data and make some calls on how you want to me measure things moving forward. But usually when we're having this conversation, the data is pretty crappy because it hasn't been measured appropriately or is a bunch of human error or the data quality is just low. So just keep that in mind. If, if you feel like at a scale from one to five, you're dealing with like a four out of five in terms of data quality, you just haven't set up the right framework, do your historics with the framework you want to use and just iterate week over week as you start looking at the, at the data inputs that are coming in. Absolutely. That's great advice. All right, let's shift to the compensation side. And so I yes. think more so compensation around like, again, you know, especially if a BDR team is reporting under marketing, because I've seen it both ways. I've seen it report under marketing. I've seen it report under sales and I've seen drastic changes on like who it actually yeah. reports to. So, you know, in your experience, like from a compensation structure for, you know, the, the teams that maybe you know, reported under marketing. How does it align with the overall pipeline revenue goals under marketing if, or like a BDR team reports to marketing? So it depends. So at Lessonly, we had a team that was all inbound. All they focused on was inbound. Okay. So that team was comped. It was between 10 to 30 to 30% 30 of OTE, give or take. They were comped only on the inbound revenue number. Then you had like brand teams designers, field marketing, depending on how they were measured, customer marketing, they were comped on total revenue, but their percentages was more like five to 10% of their total OTE. BDRs, and so the inbound SDRs were comped based off of inbound revenue, but also they had like opportunities created. They were comped off of, but we probably, man, I, I even hate to admit this. We probably changed the comp structure over a three-year period. We probably changed it four times. It's all dependent on what the data is telling you, because I would argue that it's, I don't even think I have to argue this anymore, but it's quality over quantity, especially from a BDR standpoint. What we started doing towards the end, if I remember correctly, at Lessonly, I would say we'd had close to 30 BDRs, 20 to 30 BDRs. I know somebody's going to listen to this from Lessonly and like text me and be like, no, Kyle's like four, but no, it was a lot more. It was like 20, 25. We did, they were comped off opportunity creation, but then they got kickers for closed one, which is interesting too. So I've always said from a compensation standpoint, especially from BDRs, quality over quantity is how you should comp them. And that, and what we found was like meeting scheduled or meeting completed was not a great gauge on the quality. It was when the opportunity was set by the account executive, because usually the account executive has to put an ARR number on an opportunity if they want to create it. So where I move teams to most teams is that everybody in marketing gets some type of bonus structure that has to do with either the marketing source revenue or total ARR for the company. BDRs are a little bit different because there's an activity level there that you're going to comp on. Yep. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a good point. You know, it's being a field marketer. I've always thought, you know, lots of times that marketers or revenue-driven marketers or revenue-facing marketers should be comped somewhat like sales to a certain degree. I mean, kickers, accelerators, those things. I'm curious, yeah. like, could that help align under a revenue organization? I don't see many companies doing that specifically. Yeah, I, I think it helps, but usually you're not getting that. I haven't got, 
I probably could have got more aggressive with how I set the bonus structure, but it really depends on how, like, I'm not going to look at a design team and be, and they're not like, you're going to tell them, Hey, you have, you have a bonus structure where you don't have a ceiling and they're going to be like, I don't care. I just want to, I, you know, maybe, maybe some of them do, but you got to understand like what drives the teams. You know, I could argue that specialists could be comp differently depending on, but I, I definitely believe in, we applied some of the kickers and contests to marketing that we were using with BDRs. Like, Hey, if you get X amount of customer stories, you get this, or I would randomly comp, I would randomly gift people, you know, 200, 300, $400 gift cards, depending on a project being completed. So there's things you can do like in the team, but I, I try to at least give some percentage of the total comp is tied to revenue. Yeah, no, I, I love that. That's, that's honestly amazing. Now, how do you handle like, I guess, communication and transparency around like that compensation or incentives? Like does, does everyone kind of like, know? like, listen, like these people are going to get something extra for doing so- or going above and beyond or like completing a project or is it kind of like just you and that person working it out? Well, I mean, there's transparency around the bonus number for sure, because the entire company's tracking it. The kickers, sometimes, sometimes it's just one off where I, where I firmly believe in this idea that a marketing leader should think about how are you rewarding people randomly as well? Cause I, I, I just don't think it's a very common thing to think about. It's like, oh, it also helps you understand what drives your team. But yeah, no, outside of revenue, I think it's mostly one off. BDR is a little bit different because you do contests and there's kickers and accelerators and all that stuff. Yep. I haven't, I haven't gone as far as to say, Hey, new website launching June 1st. If you get it done, May 30th, you get an accelerator. Like there's, I don't know if that drives the right behavior. Yeah. I hear you. Sweet. Okay. So this, this was really good. I feel like this was everything that I was looking for. Like to end kind of our conversation, what would you say to this person or honestly, anyone else listening? Like, I guess if you could wrap it up and say like, these are three takeaways that you should go do or implement tomorrow, what would you say they are? First one is metrics oriented. Simplify what you're measuring and align it to revenue creation. Second thing is budget appropriately. You do need to try to figure out what percentage of your budget is going to drive revenue. It can't be 100%. I recommend 70-30. And comp all team members off of either pipe creation or revenue creation. I tend to think that revenue is better. Those are my three. Amazing. Kyle, thank you so much for joining me. And for anyone that is interested in submitting an anonymous question, again, we've done so many around short-term, long-term marketing plays, layoffs, unfortunately, what's happening in tech, motionagency.io slash anonymous. And if you aren't following Kyle on LinkedIn and social media, you should absolutely be doing that because he drops absolute fire pretty much every single day he posts. So Make sure to go follow Kyle. Kyle, thank you again for joining me. I learned a ton. It was an absolute pleasure. Thanks for checking out this episode of The Anonymous Marketer. For more episodes, check us out wherever you get your favorite podcasts or visit us on the web at motionagency.io slash anonymous. And finally, this show is produced by Motion, a done-for-you podcast agency for small, scrappy B2B tech marketers. To learn how you can launch and grow a podcast for your company, 
visit motionagency.io.